0: Genesis chapter 26. Father, we just pray as we open your word that you would, by your sweet spirit, you would speak to the heart of your bride, your church. Lord, that you would lead us and guide us. Your word says that it's a a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path, and so illuminate us, Lord. Show us... uh, if we're to the left or to the right, Lord, help us to keep in step with you this morning. We love you, and we thank you for this time. Bless the kids as they're in their classes. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. A <clears throat> little recap, Genesis chapter 25, Esau, we have Jacob and Esau, two brothers, sons of uh, Isaac and Rebekah, and spiritually speaking, there are two types of. Isaac is a type of the spirit, and Esau is a type of the flesh. Now, with all types, they, they're imperfect because you're dealing with humans. There's only one true type, that's Jesus. But as you look at uh, uh, the life of Esau, Esau was a skilled hunter. And he grew up to become a skilled hunter, while uh, Isaac, he was more of a home guy. You know, liked to make soup and things like that. Nothing wrong with making soup, everybody. You can have your own cooking channel. But what happened is Esau came in from the field and he said, and I am so hungry, and his flesh, so to speak, his hunger outweighed those things that were precious and spiritual in the eyes of God. His birthright, that double portion that was to be given to him, to him as the oldest male in the family because when his dad died, he would be over the family, have to take care of them uh, making sure everything was in order and also spiritually just kind of overseeing them. And and what happened is he said, you know, I'm so hungry, uh, just give me some soup, brother. And so the brother says, well, give me your birthright and I'll give you some soup. And so Esau, being a type of the flesh, said, I'm going to go ahead and give up what God has given me, things of the Spirit. And I'm going to go ahead and grab and satisfy my earthly desires and that's exactly what he did. He sold his birthright to uh, Jacob, his brother, for a bowl of soup. And so it's a very sad situation, and, and later on, when the he would be tricked out of his blessing and and uh, it's just a, a sad life of someone who just followed after the flesh and so go back, look at that message and and really just uh contemplate where your life is, where my life is. Are we a people, like in Galatians, are we a uh, people of the flesh or a people of the Spirit? And we want to keep in step with the Spirit. That's what, that's what the idea is there. <clears throat> but now we move into chapter 26. And guess what? It says there's a famine in the land. Besides that previous famine in Abraham's time, and Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, in Gerar. Now, Really quickly, this is a different Abimelech. This is probably Abimelech's son. It was a dynastic name, you know, uh, like Pharaoh or Xerxes. It was just something that was named whoever is in charge, but most likely it was his son. And so there's a famine in the land, just like his father Abraham experienced. And what does he do? He goes to the same place his father goes, down to Gerar. And it's interesting. Isaac is tempted to leave the land of promise to get us provisions, but the Lord intercedes. Verse 2. It says the Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Hey, do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land where I tell you to live. Stay in this land for a while, and I will be with you and will bless you. For to you and to your descendants I will give all these lands, and will confirm the oath I swore to your father Abraham. And I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars of the sky, and I will give you give them all these lands, and through your offspring all nations on the earth will be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed me and did everything I required of him, keeping my commands, my decrees, and my, ins- my instructions. And so, Isaac, I know there's a famine in the land, but don't go down to Egypt. In church, Egypt is a type of what in Scripture? The world. Don't go to the world to meet your needs. I know you're hungry. I know you're thirsty. I know you are without. I know that it is dry in the promised land, so to speak. It's dry in the land that I've called you to. Stay in the land of promise. Live in the land where I tell you to live. Stay and I will bless you if you stay. We all have famines in our life, and we've talked about this before, in our souls, but we must resist going to the world to quench it. If we do, we'll get burned. If we do, we're going to miss the blessing. And so God says to Isaac, "Stay stay in the land, Isaac. In verse 6, and so guess what? Isaac stays in Gerar. God says, stay in the land, and so Isaac stays, and he stays in Gerar. And where is Gerar? Anybody have a guess? It's on the border with Egypt. It's on the border. You can't get any closer to Egypt than Gerar. He's, he's living in San Diego. He's on the border town, right? He's He's there. It was Philistine country. So God says, hey, stay in the land, Isaac. He goes, okay, I'm technically in the land. I'm staying in the land. I'm doing what you say. But he's living right on the edge of Egypt. And do you know anyone who kind of does that? No one in this room, but I'm just saying, do you know anyone who might do that from time to time? You know, if I have to stay in the land, I'm going to stay in the land, but I'm going to live as close to the world as I possibly can get. I'm going to be a borderline Christian. How far can I go? How close can I get to the world without actually stepping over that line? I'm not going to go all the way, but I'm going to live as close as I can. Anyone have that experience? Especially in a famine, when it seems dry where we are and just on the other side of the border. It is so darn green. I mean, miracle Grow, right? It's just... Oh, every, all my needs can be met just right there. So perfect. And look what happens to Isaac. Don't do that, Isaac. It says, when the men of that place, that border town, asked him about his wife, he said, now check this out. <laughs> he said, she is my sister. And the apple didn't fall too far from the tree. Because she was afraid to say, she is my wife. Now, where on the earth would he get that idea? <clears throat> Dear old dad. Did the same thing, you know, he did the same thing in the same spot with Abimelech 1, so to speak, right? He lied. And Isaac knew his dad Abraham's story. He blew it twice in the same way, right? First in Egypt with Pharaoh, and now, I mean, then again on the border in the same spot here in Gerar with Abimelech this guy's father most likely. Why on earth would Isaac make that same mistake as his dad? And this is really what strikes me and and convicts me. As fathers, this is the danger of living on the border. This is the danger of living on the border. Our sons, our daughters will follow us. Our sons do what we do. My son will go where I go. And like me, sometimes you might say, hey, I can handle it, I can, I can balance it, this won't affect me, this won't affect those around me. But what I fail to remember, what we fail to remember sometimes as fathers is that our sons, they'll go to the same place and they'll do the same things we do. If we walk in righteousness, what kind of blessing is that going to be to them? And you'll see it in Isaac's life, how he mimics his dad in faith and he also mimics his dad in failure. We can be a tremendous blessing to our sons, to our daughters. But if we dwell in border towns like Lot, remember, Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom. Then he was all. Then all of a sudden, he was in the gate, and then he had two daughters who decided to uh, get weird. That wasn't an overnight trajectory. That happened as a choice in his life. Made decisions based upon the flesh. Made decisions based upon what was best for my company. What was best for you know, me financially. And and qu- quite often, sometimes, those 2 do don't always align, what the will of God is and what will meet all my needs. Jesus, if he lived that way, what would happen to him? If he lived to meet his needs, we would not be in this room today. We would not be in his, in the Father's house forever and ever in time to come. And so, if we dwell in those border towns, there's a, there's a consequence, and being a borderline Christian. But we will not be perfect, as we'll see, right? We're not going to be perfect. God picks up the pieces of, from damage done, does he not? God is the one who ultimately is our Savior. We are all are, have Adam's sin running through us. We're all going to blow up, We're all going to make mistakes. We're not going to be perfect parents. But we do have choices in our lives, and they will have ramifications. And so we're still accountable. And I need you to pray for me, church. You know, I am not perfect in this area. I need help. I need the Lord to strengthen me. So easy to make decisions in the flesh all the time. Anyone? Pray for me as I pray for you. God, help me to live in the land, not on the border. Amen? And Abraham, he went there, and Isaac went there, and used the same vocabulary, right? And verse 7 says, uh, When the men of that place asked him about his wife, he said, She is my sister, because he was afraid to say she is my wife. And he thought the men of this place might kill me on account of Rebekah, because she is beautiful. And when Isaac had been there a long time, enjoying the border life, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked down from a window and saw Isaac caressing his wife Rebekah. King James says, sporting his wife, Rebecca, and they weren't throwing the frisbee. Obviously, this wasn't his sister or brother hug, right? And so Abimelech summoned Isaac and said, hey, she is really your wife. Why did you say she's my sister? And Isaac answered him, because I thought I might lose my life on account of her. What a guy. I thought I might die because of this girl. I don't want to die for her. This is the struggle for husbands, I think for guys in general to love our wives as Christ loved the church, to die to self and to learn to love our wives as Christ loves the church. And here Isaac says, "I don't want to die for her." And ladies, young ladies, especially, I think, guys want to caress, but they don't want to die. They often they want to have all the affections, but they don't want to die. They might not be perfect, but you need a guy with the Spirit of God in him, because Christ will be faithful to crucify that that son, that daughter. One who will love you as Christ loved the church. Isaac said, I don't want to die for her, and that is why he lied. Verse 10, Abimelech said, what is this you have done to us? One of the men might well, have slept with your wife and you would have brought guilt upon us. And so Abimelech gave orders to all the people, anyone who harms this man or his wife shall be put to death. Why would he say this? Abimelech 2, <clears throat> 2.0, right? Why would he say this? I have a thought that probably his dad said, hey, you know, if there's ever this situation you get in, you know, as he's kind of given his kingly counsel, and someone says that, you know, they're his sister, and it turns out to be her wife. Don't touch him, because that God is going to smoke you. Don't do it. So there's probably, this was either that, or he had some sexual harassment training once a year, and he was told not to touch if that situation. Who knows what was going on back then? But don't touch her. Don't touch her whatsoever. God will destroy you. And so verse 12 says that Isaac planted crops in that land, in the same year, he reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. Now, notice that when and how he receives a hundredfold, you know, when does he receive this blessing? After he stopped living a lie, after his sin was exposed, after he was just filleted before God, after he confessed. And confession is basically saying, just like he did, hey, you know what? God, this is what it, I said, and this is why I did it. And it was wrong, and here we are. It's not grabbing a priest and getting behind a counter and talking. It's talking to God and saying, God, this is what's going on. This is the reason why I did what I did. I see my wrong. Forgive me. And as Christine and I were talking about that verse this week, just First uh, John 1, 9, He is faithful and just to cleanse us and forgive us of all unrighteousness to restore that relationship when we call out to Him. That cleansing effect. That's why I praise God for the blood of Jesus every day. But also notice this, that after that happened, the Lord provided for him in the land. He provided for him in the land. It was so tempting in that famine to go down into Egypt and to satisfy his needs. But God said, I want you to stay in the land. And so he stayed for a long time. And there was something that God had to work out in his character in his life. He had to, through circumstances, get this duality out of him. That took time. Finally, it came out, it was clean, and God goes, cool. And that year, God began to take care of him in a way that he received the blessing. You know, sometimes, it's not that God doesn't love us and take care of us, but he often will withhold stuff from us because of a condition in our heart. And that's really a blessing to us because if he lets us live in total saturation, a time without drought and without famine, we can often walk in autopilot and not sensing what, it, what needs to happen in my own heart or what God is saying or where I should go or trusting Him. How many of you want to win the lottery? How many, would, would that for you just totally eliminate your need for God in your life? You know what I'm just saying? Different people, different situations. If God would just heal me, well, if he healed you, what well, would you know? Maybe, perhaps, no need to cry out to him and call out to him again. Now, obviously, God is not this mean ogre, but He has a bigger picture happening. He has a bigger picture happening in Isaac's life. He's going to make him a blessing, but this takes time, relationship. He has to work out things in and through him. And as we get to Jacob, his son, oh my goodness the things that God has to work out in and through him. Pretty amazing. But Isaac, he planted that crop in that land. And even when we blow it, even when we're living in a border town, God has a way of reaching out to us to draw us away from the deceit of the world and to draw us closer to him and to his rich love and provision for us. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. Repentance. God is blessing Isaac with a hundredfold crop in a time of famine. That's pretty cool. In verse 13, the man became rich and his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy, exceedingly wealthy, and he had so many flocks and herds and servants that the Philistines, they envied him. God's blessing upon his life was so rich that those who were godless looked at him and said, uh, Why do you have all that and I don't? They envied him. They hated it. They hated that fact. They know Isaac wasn't perfect. They know he had blown it. They know he had lied. Yet, he was so blessed. He had the grace of God in his life. How do we need the grace of God in our lives to cover us, to to motivate us, to move us on? And so they envied him, and guess what they did, verse 15? So all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the time of his father Abraham, the Philistines, they stopped them up, filling them up with earth, with dirt. And this is what, I'm sorry, and this is the way it was in Isaac's day, and it's it's the same way today for us, Uh, spiritually speaking. When the enemy and the world, they see the blessings of God in our lives, when they see the Lord working in and through you, when they see his hand upon you, when they see you worshiping God, when you see, they see that breaking in you, they would seek to stop up your water supply. They start to throw dirt. They start to fill in the wells. And when the enemy does this, know, know that there is spiritual warfare going on. This is part of how it is as a Christian, as a follower of Christ. Jesus is our living water and the world wants to stop that flow between you and him and he wants to put dirt in between. Once you get focused on dirt, seeking to replace that life-giving water with dirt because this is it, folks. If the enemy knows he can cut off that supply, if he can cut off that living water flowing in your life, in my life, you are going to be no good. He lost your soul. But he wants to totally sift you as wheat. He wants to make you useless, ineffective, on the sidelines, discouraged, downhearted, unengaged in kingdom activity, on the sidelines. He wants you to go to church on Sunday and nothing else. Oh, I'm sorry, did I offend someone? Me too. He wants me to live for Sunday morning. What about Monday? What about the lost people I'm bumping into every day? And if I've got so much dirt in my well, I'm not going to even be thinking about the kingdom. I'm not going to be thinking about the world, and the lost around me and influencing them using all that I have and am. And if I fill my wine with garbage day after day, or if I cut off that supply of sweet time with the Lord where he fills me with living water and I live after the flesh, I am rendered ineffective. And the city of Walla Walla stays the same, if not gets worse, when the church puts that bushel, that, that light it's, it's covered or blown out. Has your well been filled in with dirt? Verse 16, Then Abimelech said to Isaac, Move away from us. You have become too powerful for, for us. God's blessing upon his life was so rich, so full. It was shining a light so much said, get away. And he had experienced persecution. And so Isaac moved away from there and he encamped in the valley of Gerard. This is a valley nearby where he settled. And Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham, which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham died. And he gave them the same name his father had given them. I like what David Guzik said about this. He said, using this as a spiritual illustration, We might say that the wells of peace, of power, of grace, of wisdom, of transformation are all available for the believer today as they were for previous generations. And the question is whether a present generation will have the faith, the work, and the commitment to dig those wells out again. You know, there are wells available to us, the well. And and it's like we can't live on someone else's water. We have to dig. We have to dig. You have to dig. And spend time with the Lord. Put the water of the word in your life. You have to do it. I can feed you the milk of the word on Sunday morning. You will starve the rest of the week. We're here for a half hour, maybe a half hour, 40 minutes in the word at the most. How much dirt is being shoved at you the rest of the week? A little bit. Doesn't stop twenty four seven. It goes, and it goes, and it goes. And the cool thing is, there's the graphics and there's like shiny moving stuff all over the place, and you know, and it pulls you away. And it's just like incense, and you're like, ah, oh, let's go. It's so shiny and pretty, isn't it? And it's fun. And not nothing wrong with a lot, all that, a lot of that. But does it supplant? Does it replace? Your time with the Lord. Just seeking Him, finding Him, digging for Him like silver or gold. Is your well dry? Isaac's servants, they dug in the valley and discovered a well of fresh water there. That term fresh water means living water. I said, verse 20, it says, But the herders of Gerar. They quarreled with those of Isaac and said, the water is ours. And so he named that well Essek, which means contention, the well of contention, because they disputed with him. And then they dug another well, but they quarreled over that one also, and so he named it Sitna, or opposition, contention, opposition. He moved on from there and dug another well, and no one quarreled with him over it, and he named it Rehoboth, meaning roominess, I've got some space. Saying, now the Lord has given us room and we will flourish in our land. The name of these three wills, they really describe the battle that we engage in to have a continual flow of relationship with the Lord and effectiveness in life. I don't know about you, a lot of contention and opposition and not much roominess. Anyone? Anyone? Contention and opposition trying to dig those wells, trying to maintain that relationship, that sweet relationship with the Lord. Isaac is fighting for his survival. In his day, no water means no life. Spiritually, no water, no life. Anybody? No water, no life. When's the last time you drank? Jesus uses these examples, and obviously they're not exactly parallel, but they're pictures for us to to grab onto. We need to continually be drinking, continually be feasting. Just as Isaac is warring for water, so we must be vigilant. The enemy is going to be filling in our wells, the well of the water of the word. He wants it dried up in our lives, and we'll experience contention and opposition all the time. But like Isaac, we must keep on digging. Keep on digging, church. Keep on digging into the word. Keep on digging into the things of the spirit. Like Isaac, we will one day experience roominess. We will experience that rest for a while against the onslaught of the enemy. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. There was a time when Jesus was hammered and hammered and hammered and finally he departed. The enemy departed. He had to fight him with the word. Keep on digging. The Lord is my shepherd. You know, he leads me to still waters. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. He prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. We're going to have contention. We're going to have opposition. But God will provide the wide open pastures for us because he is our shepherd. We stay with our eyes focused on the shepherd. He will lead us to the green, wa- the, the green pastures. He will lead us to the still waters. He will restore our, our souls. He'll prepare the table for us in the valley of the shadow of death. Where we will be feasting, and the war is going on around us. The enemy seeks to get us off track every day and move us and fill our lives with dirt. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. This isn't a one-and-done situation. It's keep on hungry and keep on thirsting after the Lord. Keep on drinking from the well of life. Keep on abiding in Jesus. And God will satisfy your soul with him. Continual satisfaction. Verse 23. And from there he went up to Beersheba. And that night the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. He's experiencing a little fear like his father when he had opposition. Opposition. When you start going after the Lord, you start digging wells, you start seeking Him. you are going to have opposition. You'll have fear come into your life from different circumstances. And the Lord is our shield, just like he was for Isaac and his father Abraham. But I will bless you, I'm with you, and I will increase the number of your descendants for the sake of my servant Abraham. Then Isaac, he built an altar there, and he called on the name of the Lord, and there he pitched his tent, and there his servants dug a well. Hey, and notice the order there? This is pretty cool. He built an altar... He called on the name of the Lord. He pitched his tent. He dug a well. He worshiped. He prayed. Then he established himself in that place. He pitched the tent. And then he dug a well to sustain himself. Pretty cool. Meanwhile, verse 26, Abimelech had come to him from Gerar with Athuza, his personal advisor, and Phicol, the commander of of his forces. And Isaac asked him, Why have you come to see me since you were hostile to me and sent me away? And they answered, we saw clearly that the Lord was with you, and so we said, There ought to be a sworn agreement between us, between, between us and you. Let us make a treaty with you that you will do us no harm. Uh, just, just as we did you no harm. Yeah, right. You, but always, uh, treat you, we always treated you well, and we sent you away peacefully. <laughs> Come on now. And now you are, a, are blessed by the Lord. And Isaac then made a feast for them, and they ate and they drank, and early the next morning the men swore an oath to each other, and then Isaac sent them on their way, and they went away peacefully. You know, I, I just, it's just neat when when we are, become a blessing to the communities around us, and we become a, a situation to where we are we realize that God is with us. When when they start looking at our lives, when when the world starts looking at your life and saying, man, God is with them, and there is a protection that's kind of there, there's a a natural, wow, there's something supernatural happening here. Anyone want to experience that in their lives? Just the joy of the Lord overflowing in your life, God using you, and people go, you know what, I don't want to have any problems with you. I want to be at peace. And that's a great thing. I want to have peace with the people around us. But the enemy will continue to use those around us who are, who are not saved, and even those who are saved and walking in the flesh, to continue to fill those wells up. And in, in the end here, I just, want to, I just want to say, brothers and sisters, I see this pattern. I see this pattern in my life. I dig a well, and I find water. And God blesses me, and things start to happen. But it doesn't take long for that well to start getting filled up. And I begin to get discouraged. And sometimes I just sit. And sometimes I just starve. Anybody feel like that? What did Isaac do? Dug another well. He dug another well. He went digging. So you dig the first one. You find contention. You dig another one. You find opposition. Keep digging. Keep going. You can get easily discouraged. Move to the next spot. Dig again. God will do great things again. And you'll experience the sweetness of the Lord things will become difficult again and you'll have this up and down situation in your life with the Lord. Anyone have that? It's the same in ministry and marriage and raising a family. It seems like, I mean, that perpetual pattern like Isaac digging and drinking the water and reaping the benefits and then the warfare comes and I have to readjust and dig again. The enemy is constantly filling in that hole in my life. He is constantly filling the hole in your life. If you are not digging, he's probably not, he could care less about you. If you are becoming a blessing and an impact, you got a target on you. He desires for each of us to quit digging, to give up and to go away. Satan knows how to do this. He's really good at it. But brothers and sisters, While we do experience those first two wells of opposition, of contention, a lot, there is the hope of the third well, the roominess. Keep on digging. God will bring you to that sweet spot. Don't give up. Keep going. And ultimately, we're headed towards that sweet place, right? But even here in the land of the living, we will see his goodness. It's not all about pain and suffering. Keep digging in your family, in your relationships, in your ministry to the Lord, in your work. Keep digging. Don't grow weary. And it said in verse 32, that day Isaac's servants came and told him about the well they had dug. And they said, we've found water. And he called it Sheba. And to this day, the name of the town has been Beersheba. And it's that same place that God had kind of gave him rest from his enemies that Abraham, God had given Abraham rest from his enemies when they made that covenant with him. And so his son experiences that same situation. And so we'll we'll pick up verse 34 next week. But how many of you are just needing the Lord to help you dig a new well this morning? Just needing that. I want to take a, just just a minute and just be silent before the Lord and just pray. Just pray between you and the Lord, and then I'll I'll close this in prayer. So just take a minute. Take a minute and pray. Ask the Lord to be with you, even if it's just one verse. Whatever it is, just dig. There's so many resources at your disposal this week. There's so many great Christian uh, teachers out there that are at your fingertips. You know, I'm not able to remember certain verses, you know, and I'm just able to Google the verse right there, boom. You know, they're, they're there, but the other stuff's there too. Let the Lord take out the dirt and let the water flow in our lives this week, amen? And as we spend time with him, the rest of the world will eventually see the blessing of it. If we try to go be a Christian without drinking the water, no power, no good. We want it to, to go beyond us. Spend time with the Lord this week. Read his word. Worship him. Build that altar. Set your tent in a place where you're just like, Lord, I'm yours.